If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs, and we'll be in chapter 27 today. If you're using one of the Bibles in the rack in front of you, it will be on page 580. I imagine everybody here is familiar uh, with uh, Superman and uh, started as a comic book hero in the 50s. Uh, later in movies and television shows, everybody knows of Superman. Now, Superman uh, was very strong, is very strong. He is, uh, uh, has the ability to leap tall buildings, to move faster than a speeding bullet, to uh, stop a train. There are few things that Superman cannot do. Uh, but Superman had a weakness, and his weakness uh, was kryptonite. And uh, as kryptonite is described, it is the ore form of a radioactive element from krypton. And as the story goes, Superman in the presence of kryptonite was a mere weakling. Uh, it took all of his strength, it made him impotent, he could accomplish nothing when kryptonite was around. Well, in the last few weeks, we have been working our way through the book of Proverbs and we have discovered something of the power of God's wisdom in a person's life. God's wisdom can make you Superman. God's wisdom can bring you financial security. It can bring you marital happiness. It can bring you parental success. It can enrich your relationships. It can help you avoid life's pitfalls. The wisdom of the Lord will make you strong, but there is some kryptonite that will ruin it all. There's one thought, there's one attitude that if you put it alongside the wisdom of God, it will make God's wisdom powerless in your life. And before we wrap up this series in Proverbs, we need to know what that is because there's so many people who... Uh, make an attempt to embrace the wisdom of God because they want to walk with the Lord. They want to honor Christ with their lifestyle and they want to experience the blessings that come from walking with the Lord, but they have this one kryptonite attitude. They have this one thought that just ruins the power of God and God's wisdom in their life. And that one thought is this, I am an exception. If we listen to the wisdom of God and the thought enters our minds and we embrace it, that we are somehow an exception to what we read, then it renders all God's wisdom powerless in our lives. I'll give you some examples. Uh, the Bible teaches us and we have uh, been reminded in the last couple of weeks that if we let sexuality outside the confines of marriage, it will burn our lives down. But many people in church will proclaim that they are the exception to that. I know, Pastor, that that's what the Bible says, and I, I think that would be really good advice for most people, but my situation is different. I somehow, am an ex I'm an exception to that. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago as we were going through Proverbs that if we spend more than we make, if we don't live on a budget, we borrow more than we save, uh, then we will have much regret when our world collapses. And so we all say amen to that. But at the same time, many people will say, but you know, my situation's different. I mean, I know what God's word says and that would be true for many, but somehow I'm the exception to that. We learn from the book of Proverbs, if you've been reading it every day these uh, last few weeks, that if you have a prideful heart, 
that you will encounter unexpected destruction in your life, uh, to which many people think I am an exception. Uh, Proverbs tells us that if we let anger get out of control, that it will ruin our relationships. But we think I'm an exception to that. The Bible says that if we ignore his instructions, God's instructions, that we will experience great regret in life, but we think our situation is different, we are an exception. If you think, if I think that I'm an exception to the, to the wisdom of God found in the book of Proverbs and throughout the Bible, then I will render God's instructions powerless in my life. So how is it that we can avoid this this kryptonite, how can we avoid this thing that really destroys the power of God's word in the lives of so many Christians? And I think we find the answer in a little known proverb in chapter 27. And so if you're looking there, it's chapter 27, verse 12. And it says, a sensible person sees danger and takes cover. The inexperienced keep going and are punished. Now that's a pretty simple proverb and I'm reading it from the CSB Bible. That's the, the translation that I ordinarily preach from. But, but I want you to see it in an even simpler form this morning. And so occasionally when I'm reading, especially in the book of Proverbs, I'll pull out another translation that's on my shelf called the NLT Bible. And, and sometimes with the book of Proverbs, it just gives a greater sense of what the writer is trying to tell us. And so I want to show this to you on the screen. The NLT version of this same verse says this, a prudent person foresees danger and he takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and he suffers the consequences. Now, there are a few verses in the Bible more important than this. So here's what I want to do. Before we begin to explain this verse, I want to make sure that you've got it in your mind. So we're going to put that on the screen one more time, and I want to ask you to read it aloud. I know nobody enjoys audience participation, but bear with me for a moment. Let's read this aloud. Proverbs 27, 12. Are you ready? A prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Now, you know this just instinctly, but, but, but I think in, in the ways that we try to apply wisdom to our lives, we get this confused. If I were to go out here on North Street, you, you, you're from here, you, North Street is just that street right there. And I were to head south on North Street, what city, don't answer aloud because you may give away a valuable answer to your neighbor, but what city, if I just continue south on North Street, what city will I encounter next? Now, it's a multiple choice question because I don't want it to be too hard. And so choice A is New York City. Choice B, Orlando, Florida. Choice C, Cleveland, Ohio. Or D, Lufkin, Texas. Now let me rephrase it just in, you know, in case you, you're struggling. I'm on North Street, I'm headed south. I just continue south on North Street. It'll change names two or three times. I don't know the names of all these roads around here either. But you just keep going that direction. Are you likely to end up in New York City, Orlando, Florida, Cleveland, Ohio, or Lufkin, Texas? Now, you're pretty smart, most of you. And so the answer you're thinking is D, Lufkin, Texas. Now, let, let me 
Let me complicate the question. Now, if your intention is to get to New York City, you've got a problem, right? Because you're headed toward Lufkin, Texas. But what if, what if you're headed south, but you're driving a red car? And now, now think about this. Now, what's the answer to the question now? Are you more likely to end up in New York City because you're in a red car? Well, no, there's no exception because you're in a red car. Okay, well, what about this? What if, same scenario, North Street headed south, trying to get to New York. What if you're a Christian? Does it matter that you're a Christian? Would that be enough to get you to New York headed south on North Street? Would that, I mean, would that be enough? I'm a Christian. Would that get me there? No. What if you have godly parents and a godly spouse? Would that help? No. Well, what if you were to pray? What if you prayed all the way to Lufkin, God, get me to New York City? Would that help? No, because there are just certain things that follow certain other things. And, 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 and there are just certain things that if you do this, if you go down this path, you're going to end up in a certain destination. And it doesn't matter if you're Christian or if you're unsaved. It doesn't matter if you had godly parents or you didn't have godly parents. It doesn't matter if you pray or you don't pray. As important as all of those things are, if you go down certain paths, there are going to be certain destinations. And we can assume that we're the exception. We can say that our situation is different than everybody else's situation. But the truth is, and what this verse tells us, is that if we go down certain paths, we're going to end up in certain destinations. We must refuse to say, I am the exception. Now, let me, let me give you a more practical example, a more spiritual example. And, and maybe this will, you'll see now, seeing the, the ridiculous example, what will shine light on the more practical one. What if a man who is married pays less and less attention to his wife uh, over the year and over the years? So what will likely be the state of his marriage in five years? Again, it's a multiple choice uh, question. A, marital bliss. B, his marriage will be a picture of health and strength. C, his marriage will be filled with discord and possibly headed for divorce. Well, we would say, obviously, if a man doesn't pay attention to his wife five years, neglects her over and over and over, then of course the answer is C, there's going to be great discord in his marriage. But listen, how many men do that, but they assume that their situation is different. But pastor, I'm a Christian. Pastor, I, I had great godly parents and so did my wife. It's going to work out. Pastor, I am praying that God gives me a great marriage. See, none of those things create an exception. If you're headed down a path, it's going to have a destination. What if a person spins his way into debt? What if a person just lives off credit cards? And every time there's a new credit card in the mail, he, he knows, she knows that she can just buy more stuff. Okay, well, what will that person's financial health be in three years? 
Let me give you the options. Letter A, he will be wealthy. Letter B, he will have financial security. Letter C, he will be a generous giver. Or D, he will be living in financial bondage and perhaps headed to bankruptcy. Now, of course, we know the answer is C, but how many people are living that lifestyle and they're saying, well, and that may be true, but I'm the exception. Pastor, my situation is a little different. I'm a Christian. I'm praying that God will provide for me. See, we, we just assume that we are the exception and that makes powerless all of this wisdom that God gives to us in the book of Proverbs. And so this verse, Proverbs 27, 12, I think is the antidote to this tendency we have to think that we're the exception. I want us to spend a lot of time just walking through this simple verse and learning how it is that we can be people who are going down intentional pathways according to God's wisdom, that we are honoring God and we're ending up in the destinations that we intended. How can this verse help us to avoid saying and believing that we are the exception? Well, there are three things. The first one is this. This verse tells us a prudent man foresees danger. A prudent man foresees danger. Now, we're going to put the verse back up there because I want you to see that all this comes straight from this verse. Proverbs 27, 12, a prudent person foresees danger. So, I mean, we took the points, the point right from the verse. Now, we often see our decisions, or we see episodes in our lives as single, solitary, standalone events. But the truth is that those things form the pathways that we're going down. And this verse tells us that if we're prudent, if we're wise, we're going to see from the events of our lives the pathway that we're going down and and because of that, the destination where we're going to arrive. But too many times we think that I have this destination, I'm going to be this kind of Christian, I'm going to be this kind of minister, I'm going to have this kind of marriage, I'm going to be this kind of father. We have those destinations in mind, but we think that all of the things that are happening between here and there, we don't see them as part of the path. We just think that they're random events, but they're not. And that's what this verse is telling us. A prudent man sees through all of these events the path that he's going down. One of my greatest desires, and I, uh, I struggle with this, and I say this, uh, two of my daughters are here in the church service this morning, and, uh, but one of my greatest desires is just to be, have a close relationship with my daughters. God's blessed me with three wonderful, uh, godly daughters, and I want to be close to all three of them. And so that's, that's my hope. That's my dream. That's, what, that's the destination I want to I, I get to. But, but, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a Saturday will come around and maybe my girls, um, you know, are interested in spending time with their dad. Uh, but I say, you know, this, isn't, this just isn't a good Saturday because I, I, I have a meeting at the church. You know, we'll do it another Saturday. And, and so, you know, I do my meeting at the church and then the next Saturday comes around and my girls are interested in spending time with me. And I say, well, you know, I, you know it's just not a good Saturday. Some friends of mine have asked me to go and and do something with them. And so this Saturday, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing that with my, with my friends. And so then the next Saturday comes around there, there, they've got some time again and interested in spending some time with dad. And I said, well, you know, I, I would, but, but this Saturday is a big football game Saturday. And you, you know, I can't do it this Saturday. 
And see, in my mind, I'm thinking that my destination is still firm. I'm still wanting to get to that place where as my girls get older, our relationship becomes closer and richer. And I see these Saturday things as just random events, standalone events that don't have anything to do with the path. But what Proverbs 27, 12 reminds me is that that's just not true. All of these things, that, that is the path. I can imagine whatever destination I want to imagine, the decisions that I make every Saturday are choosing, they are determining the path that I'm going down and the path will determine uh, the, the direction. How many of us want to live a healthier lifestyle and, and so we want to be strong and we want to be fit and, and, and all the things that go with that and so you know we, we have chocolate cake for breakfast. <laughs> And we think, well, this is just a one-time thing. I mean, this is just a standalone event. I mean, I still, I have a heart to be this. But, but, but see, that, that's the folly. A foolish person sees these as standalone events. A wise person sees them as part of a path that leads to a destination. I think this is why kids sometimes get, uh, are, are, why, why kids sometimes don't understand why parents get so upset when, they're, when they do something wrong. You know, kids will stay out past curfew and parents will freak out about that or, or kids will do something, they'll break some rule and parents get all upset about it. And, and, and kids just don't understand sometimes why parents, I mean, it's just a one-time thing. One time I was late for curfew. What are you, what are you so upset about? But see, here, here's the disconnect. The, the teenagers and the college students, they see what happened as a standalone event. The parents fear this is a path that has a destination. That's why the parents are upset. They're upset because you were 15 minutes late for curfew. They're upset that they're worried you're going down a path that has a bad destination. And so Proverbs 27, 12 says a prudent man, he, he sees, he foresees the danger and he responds to that. All of us are on a path. We need to see the path that we're on. Your marriage is on a path. It's on a path. The, the health of your marriage is, is headed somewhere. And you want to know where it's headed? Look at the decisions you've made over the last couple of months. That's determining where your marriage is headed. Don't be surprised when you get to the destination because you've been headed to the destination a long time. People are so surprised when they get there. But your, your marriage is headed along a path. Your finances, your child rearing, your parenting, your career, your ministry, it's all on a path. Let us not be surprised when we get there because we're all headed somewhere. Have you ever thought about how wonderful it would be if you could predict the future? And what if, uh, what if you could predict what was going to happen tomorrow or a year from now? Well, I want to tell you that actually you're better at it than you think you are because of this whole principle of the fact that we're on a path. Let me give you some scenarios, see if you can predict the future. Uh, if, if we could somehow watch someone uh, who was spending every dime that they made, they were buying stuff that they couldn't afford and they were living off credit cards, and I asked you to predict their financial situation three years from now, do you think you could give a fair prediction? Sure you could, and you'd get it right. What if I showed you a woman who was ignoring her husband and fo focusing all of her attention for 20 years on her children and their events. And I asked you to predict the vitality of her marriage after the kids left home. You think you could predict that? Sure you could. 
If I showed you a, a teenager or a college student, a young man who was uh, sleeping with everybody he could and just living a rebellious lifestyle, and I asked you to predict the fidelity and the happiness of his first three marriages, you, you, you think you could predict that? Sure you could. We're pretty good at predicting the future when it's somebody else's future, right? Because we can see when they're on a path and we can see where the destination is. We can't predict so well about our own future. Why is that? Because I'm an exception. Because my situation's different. And, and it, it, because what happened in my life, that was just a standalone event. But no, a prudent man foresees danger. A prudent man looks down the path that he is journeying and he sees where it's gonna end. And so, how do we change our destination? Uh, this is something we're gonna to talk to the college students about in our, in our lunch today. So how, how do we change, if, if, we, if we look and see where our marriage is headed, our finances or our, our walk with the Lord, how do we change the destination? Well, this is, this is common sense, but, but we need to hear it. You change the destination by changing the path, by changing the things that you do today. If you want to change where your marriage is going to be five years from now, that's not just a matter of imagining a different place that it would be or being hopeful. Now, listen, this is dangerous to say, but it's not even a matter of praying that it will get there. I mean, I'm all for prayer, but I'm telling you that certain paths end in certain places. If you want a different marriage five years from now, You've got to change the path that you're walking down today. And so a wise person doesn't curse his def destination. He changes his path. Well, number two, uh, we see from this verse that a prudent man, a wise man takes precaution. So a, a prudent man will foresee danger. He looks ahead and, and foresees danger. But secondly, he takes precaution. Now let's look back at Proverbs 27, 12 again. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. And so you see the path. This just simply means that you, that you recognize you're on a path and you're headed somewhere. Your, your, your service for the Lord, your walk with Jesus Christ, it's headed in a direction. And so you recognize where it's going. And then the second part is telling us that you then do something about it. You take precaution. Now, that's so common sense, it's, it's hardly worth saying. And I, I, want, I was just going to leave this point off the message. But, but I think it, it, it's, it's worth leaving because we just don't do it. It's too many times we, we do foresee the danger, but we just don't do anything about it. Now, why is that? Well, because, as we've said, we think we're the exception. My situation's just a little different. Now, why do we think that? Why, why, why don't we have this tendency to always think that we're the exception? Well, I think first of all, because hope and wishing play a larger part in our lives than wisdom and prudence. We're always hoping and wishing and hoping and wishing instead of just being wise according to God's word. Secondly, I think we presume upon the grace of God. You know what that means, presuming upon the grace of God? I think about the second temptation of Christ. Go to Mark chapter four, Matthew rather chapter four. There was a time when, when Jesus was being tempted and Satan took him on top of, uh, of the temple and said, Satan, why don't you just jump down? Just jump off this temple and show everybody your power. 
Because the Bible says that if you'll just jump, that God will rescue you before you get to the bottom. And what did Jesus say? He said, you shouldn't test the Lord. Now, here's what we do. And, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody. That's why this is a hard message for me to preach. We live however we want to live. And we just presume that because we're Christians, God will rescue us before we crash into the sidewalk, right? We, we just assume that, that somehow God's going God's to protect my marriage. Right? We just presume God's going to take care of me financially. We just presume that God's going to rescue me. We just presume that God's going to give me a good relationship with my kids. We go down these, we, we go down these wrong paths and, and we, we just think we're the exception because God loves me and, and in the end he'll take care of me. Well, he, he may provide for you in a miraculous way, but he may not. And the Bible says that we, we don't need to presume upon the work of God. We need to live according to the instructions of God. I think a third reason why we think we're the exception is just, we're just gullible. We're so easily deceived. Paul said it this way in Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. Now to be deceived means that you believe something that's not true. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, he will also reap. I mean, th th this, is just, this is just the same as Proverbs 27, 12. It's just in the New Testament. It's just in New Testament language. When he says you will, you will reap what you sow, he's saying you're going down a path and that path has a destination. And it doesn't matter that you're going down it in a red car. It doesn't matter that you are Christian and it doesn't matter that you pray. If you're going down the wrong path, you're going to reap something that you didn't want to read. It's every path has a destination. Well, quickly, let me show you the third thing we learned from Proverbs 27, 12. Finally, a prudent man acts now. A prudent man acts now. And so we go back to this verse, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. But then it says the simpleton or the fool, the foolish man goes blindly on and he suffers the consequences. You see, the first kryptonite to God's wisdom in our lives is, uh, is, this, is this thought, I'm the exception. But some people, now listen, we're getting to uh, advanced Proverbs now, all right? So some people get past this, the temptation to think I'm an exception. And they really believe that God's word is God's word. You will reap what you sow. But then Satan uses another piece of kryptonite. And you know what this is? I will do it later. You see, see, if Satan doesn't get us with the attitude, I'm an exception, then he'll try to get us with the attitude, I can do this later. But what Proverbs 27, 12 tells us is that it is a simpleton, it is a foolish man who goes on blindly and doesn't address the problem today. You know, the Bible is filled with... Uh, warnings about this. And I, I've got way more here in my outline than I could, uh, that I have time to share with you. Uh, but, but let me, let me share one. Uh, the, the, it's a biblical example in, um, a historical example in, I think in numbers chapter 12 or 13 or 14, I'm not sure, but let me tell you the story. Uh, so the people of Israel, uh, had been slaves in Egypt and God had freed them and he was moving them to the promised land. Uh, he had promised this land hundreds of years earlier. They had been looking forward to living into this great land. And 
So finally, God made it possible. In the last few weeks, they have been actually marching from Egypt to the promised land. They get right up to the edge of the promised land. And then they decide that now's probably not the best time. I mean, God had been preparing this for hundreds of years, but they decided at the last minute, this isn't a good time. They, they had several reasons for that, that they thought were valid reasons. They were not, but they decided this just isn't a good time. Now, l- let, me give them, let me give them the benefit of the doubt. Let me, let me show you something that they did. They did want to go to the promised land. They did believe that God's word was true, that, that he had prepared this place and that it was going to be wonderful. Uh, they, they had the same goal that God had. It wasn't that God wanted them to go this direction and they wanted to go the other direction. No, they agreed with God. Just like most of you in here, most of us agree with God's destination for our marriage, for our ministry, for our finances. I mean, we're on the same page with God. The Israelites were on the same page with God. They wanted the same thing God wanted. They just decided that the timing wasn't right. And so in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, Uh, There's some commentary on this, and and I want to read to you. It's not going to be on the screen. Just listen to me. It's Hebrews 3, 7, if you just want to mark it down, but just listen. He says, the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. He said, if you, hear, if you hear the Holy Spirit tell you you need to make a change because you're on a path that has a different destination than you want to be, he says, you, you, you need to do it now. You don't need to be like the Israelites who decided that they would do it at another time. He says, therefore, here's what happened to the Israelites. He says, because of what they did, I was provoked to anger with that generation. And I said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. And in fact, God didn't allow any of the men, uh, with the exception of a couple, old Joshua and Caleb, who did want to go into the land. He didn't allow any of those men to ever go into the land. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. See, you can agree with God that that's where you need to be. But if you don't act when God says it's time to change your pathway, then you're a simpleton, you're a fool. The saddest part of that event, and uh, I'm almost sure it's at Numbers 14 now that I think about it. The, the saddest part of that is <clears throat> the day they decided that they wouldn't go into the promised land. And they tell God, we're not going, we'll go later. And then uh, God said, you won't go at all now, you're going to the desert for 40 years. You know what they did the next day? A lot of people don't know the, a lot of people know that part of the story. They don't know the next part of the story. Do you know what happened the very next day? The very next day they said, ooh, we messed up. We do want to go to the promised land. And they got some people together and they headed that way and, and they were destroyed in a battle and God said, no, listen, the door was open yesterday. The door's not open today. See, it's the simple man, it's the foolish man who will believe the lie that there will be a better day to change your path. Now, Proverbs was written in large part by Solomon, we've learned over the last few weeks. 
And uh, Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. A little later in life, it's a little more difficult book to uh, understand, uh, but it's a valuable book. And near the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he says this, remember your creator in the days of your youth before days of adversity come and years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. What, <laughs> what, what Solomon said, who, who had originally said, you, you need to look and see where the path goes and you need to get on a different path. He, he later says, now that I'm at the end of life, he said, I recognize my foolishness, but it's too late. If God highlights on our hearts, that we're on the wrong path, now's the time to change. If you're going the wrong direction, uh, on the roadway, if you're trying to get to New York and you're headed to Lufkin, uh, when is the best time to turn around? Immediately. And the, and the prudent man will respond immediately. Now, let me see if I can just sum up this, uh, this whole passage. Uh, Proverbs 27, 12, a prudent man Prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Here's what we've learned. Wise people don't believe that they are the exception. Wise people recognize that they're on a path that has a destination. A wise person understands that to change the destination, you have to change the path. And a wise person acts today. Now, before we leave, I want to be as practical as I can just as practical as I can. So I'm going to do a little exercise. I'm going to give you a subject. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to announce a subject, like an area of life. And then I want you to think about that subject in your life. And then I'm going to read to you a few verses, and we'll show them to you on the screen as well. I'm going to read to you a few verses from Proverbs 4 that essentially says the same thing, but it just has a little more, uh, has a little sharper point to it. And I want you to think about what pathway you're on in that area of your life. I mean, this will make sense as we do it, all right? So the first, first area I want you to think about is your marriage and your family. And maybe you're not married, but you hope to be married. I mean, it still works. Think about your marriage and your family. Where do you wanna be five, 10, 20 years from now? Where do you wanna be five, 10, 20 years from now? Now, look at these verses with me on the screen. Proverbs 4.25, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on a safe path and don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. When it comes to your marriage and your family, are you right now on the path that's going to get you to the desired destination. Let me give you another area of life. Your service for the Lord. How do you want to serve the Lord? What do you want your life to count for in the kingdom of God? Five, 10, 20 years from now. Now, I'm not going to read all these verses again, but I want you to think about it. Let's make a straight path. Are you on the path today that's going to get you to the destination? Or do you need to change your path? And then the final one, what about your relationship with God? There's so many people who want to have this close, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. They want to have the depth 
of relationship that gives them the strength to be able to stand against all trouble that, uh, that, that, that gives them ability to resist every temptation that allows them to speak into other people's lives with wisdom and with power and with influence. I mean, that's what I want to have. Is that where you want to be? But, but see, that's, that's a destination. There's a path between here and there. And your spiritual walk with the Lord is the path you're on going to get you to the destination you choose. With your head bowed and eyes closed, let me tell you that your spiritual life and your eternal life, that that path has to begin with putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's no other beginning to that roadway, that pathway than Jesus. There has to be a time in your life when you understand that you're guilty of sin and you understand that your only hope is Christ and you put your trust in how he paid the penalty for your sin upon the cross. If you need to begin down that path, I hope in the moment as we stand and sing, you'll come and, and, and just take my hand here at the front and, and share with me personally and privately that, hey, I need to begin down that path with Jesus. Because without the beginning, without starting with Jesus, that path will never end in peace and forgiveness and eternal life. But you know, many of us, we know we're on the right path there. But in so many other ways, we've just assumed we're the exception. I'm the exception. My situation is different. I can't tell you how many counseling appointments I've had through the years. And people will describe what's going on and I'll point out scripture passages and they'll say, well, pastor, you don't understand. My situation's different. But see, it's not different. Would you ask the Lord to show you the destination of the path that you're on and ask the Lord to show you the path that you need to be on that has the destination in your marriage and your family and your ministry and in everything else where you want to arrive. Father, make us wise. We're not the exception. We don't need to presume upon tomorrow or upon your your miraculous intervening in, in our lives. But help us to live wise, prudent lives, foreseeing the danger and making our steps along the right path. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Amen.